It's Friday, July 9th, 2010. Time for our weekly Q&A that we call Splunk Talk. File monitoring, forwarders, and failure are on deck for today's chat. So let's push the go button. Yeah, it's Friday. I absolutely love doing this stuff on Friday. Hey, we're back. The both mindless and magical at the same time. Splunk Talk team is back for another episode of uh, fun and frivolity. Uh, Captain Obvious, Jeff Blake, is here. What's up, Jeff? How you doing, Michael? Good. I heard you live exactly at 2328 South Michigan Avenue, Chicago. Is that true? Uh, as long as you don't say that on the air, yeah. Okay, I'll edit that Captain out. O- Captain Obvious, he's that's ca- his name? <laughs> he's Captain Obvious. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and our humble... Wondering why that wasn't obvious that his name is Captain Obvious. I would subtle, subtle obvious. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Now I believe that. And uh, Jeff's uh, fine feathered sidekick down in Dallas, Maverick. Hi. Hello. And I. And what's my? Am I captain of something or just Captain the Prairie? Is the, it, is the feathered the part reference to his hair? Captain Hair. I'm Captain Hair. <laughs> captain Buffon. I like that one. Let's go with that All one. All right, Captain Buffon lives at seventy-one ten Southwest Moreland Road hey man, in don't Dallas. Be, don't, be, don't be giving that out. Yeah, what are you doing? stop by his house and use your tickets on ski ball. <laughs> don't. Uh, Michael Wild, that's me, the Splunk Ninja, out of Austin, Texas, and I live at twelve nine one two. That's one two nine one two Hill Country Boulevard in Bee Cave, Texas seven eight seven three eight. Bee Cave with two E's. Wow. I'm going to have to Google that and see where I live. <laughs> oh, boy. What do we do? You know, we're, let's, let's, do, let's talk today. Let's, let's answer some questions that have come up. Let's do. Novel idea. Do we have a, do we have a theme today or um, are, we, are we just doing questions? What? Maverick, do you got a theme? <laughs> Any ideas? I think the, the, yeah, I think the theme for this week is uh, troubleshooting, trying to help. Uh, I mean, all the questions seem to be kind of related to uh, – Trying to fix things that seem to be broken, broken, getting getting into trouble, like like getting locked out of your double wide. Yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah double wide. Yeah, that's a good. That's, I like that one. That's or a good, let's, how let's to go stop leaking wells? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that, that was episode two. Oh, plug the sorry hole. about the plug. Actually, the that's actually that's real news. That's not the Splunk talk. But anyway, I'm going with my question. So uh, my forwarders have stopped sending data to the indexer. I know they're both up and running. You know. How do I begin to figure things out? How do I fix this? What do I do first? Well, there's a number of reasons why forwarding could have stopped. Um, but let's go ahead and assume that the servers are up, as you said, that the apps that you're generating log data from are, uh, are, are actually working and generating log data. So there's a couple of places that you might look. Now, sometimes when people install Splunk, you know, they might put it on their laptop or they might put it on a, on a small server and throw like massive amounts of data at it. And, you know, your computer can only handle so much. So how would you know if where the problem is? Well, Splunk has a couple of log files uh, in its log directory. Uh, you can feel free to use manual tools or could you just use Splunk. And the Splunk log files are indexed in an index called underscore internal. 
So what I usually do is I'll start on the forwarder. Okay. And I'll take the forwarder and I'll look at the uh, metrics log, metrics.log. And that log uh, basically tells us how much data is coming in and all the little activities it's doing. And it will give you the status of each of Splunk's queues. And if you start to see uh, queues that are blocking, there's a good chance that uh, the pipeline is sort of clogged. And sometimes it can get clogged because you're throwing too much data at it, that network connections are down. In this case, it's not. So you're going to want to look for blocked equals true inside of the metrics log. And you can do that by searching underscore index equals underscore internal. Check it on the forwarder, then check it on the indexer to see which one of them is blocking. And there are some other uh, troubleshooting tips as well that, that, that we can offer. But it's a good way to see uh, if, you've, if you've, uh, you know, your system is getting clogged up. The only thing I'm thinking um, also, again, looking in the index uh, underscore, uh, underscore internal to look for um, maybe the, the names of the forwarders to see if you get uh, particular things. Maybe not necessarily looking into metrics, but just looking in general across all of the index underscore internal equals underscore internal to – to, and, and for that particular server names, forwarder names, host names, to see if there's any errors or other things that like permissions possibly. I've seen that before. Um, sometimes uh, the, the firewall will get implemented in the middle. So maybe forwarding for a short time and someone turns on the firewall because they spot it. Maybe they're automatically or someone manually configures it without you knowing about it. And then you'll see no data coming in. Um uh, you know, and there might be some errors with, uh, you know, around that. And then you could, you know, get a clue as to, uh, hey, who to talk to, to to open up that particular port 9997 or whatever one you picked. Yeah, if you search on TCP in underscore connections on your indexer, you might be able to see if those connections are actually failing or not happening uh, to go with Maverick's point of maybe a firewall is in the way. I got a question. I have some custom log files in a directory. A new one is generated each day. Splunk only indexed one of those files and then stopped after that. Why is that and how do I fix it? So the cool thing about Splunk is that it, you know it's reading all your files. Um, you, you know you can point Splunk to a directory uh, of one or more files in the directory, and Splunk's just going to eat those things up. But what it's also doing when it you know automatically for you is it's it's looking for the contents of the file and it's examining and it's using CR. Well, it's using methods to um, to detect if it's the same or different. Uh, you know, information contents. Um, and if it's different, it, it gets it, it eats it up. If it's the same, it, it, it ignores it because it sees it as a duplicate. So typically if you have files that have information at the top or the bottom uh, of the file that are, you know, if the first few lines are exactly the same, it's the next file, even though the middle or the end might be different. And to you, logically, it's a different file. Splunk sees it as the same. So you can use an option inside inputs.com called CRC salt, which would allow Splunk to, um, you can configure it to tell Splunk to use the file name itself as a way to see if it's different. That, because typically your file name will be different on the next file you generate. And so then Splunk would go, okay, that is a different, I have to get that, even though the, the, you know, the, the first part of it on each of these files is exactly the same. Good one. Good answer, by the way. Um, yeah, a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about this uh, file, I was doing some regex stuff on. It's a situation that I ran into exactly, and CRC salt uh, equals source kind of fixed it. Hey, Maverick and Jeff, have you signed up for user conference yet? 
You done that? I did. Did you? I signed up this week. In fact, thanks for asking. Yeah. I I did I did um and I actually am uh, teaching a uh, a course there as we've I think we've talked about in the past but I'm going to just say that um, if anyone I, I just want to say for the record that uh, uh, if you are listening to my voice right now you are going to sign up you want to sign up right now because this what's our slogan guys what's our slogan for this it's only your first time once. That's right. You're only your first time, which you don't want to be left out when the rest of us have already had the user conference. You don't, you, you don't want to be the one left holding the bag going, I'm a user conference virgin. You don't want to be that person. You, you want to be with us, with the rest of us. So you need to sign up now. And, and you know, besides that, you know, feeling good about that, it, there's a lot of good information, really, really useful information. A lot of customers, a lot of engineers presenting lots of really good stuff and information that you can – use on a daily, on a yearly, weekly basis to empower you to stretch Splunk beyond its limits. When is user conference, Maverick? <laughs> August 9th through 11th. San Francisco. Where, where, where is it, Michael? Yes, it is in Austin. No, it's not in Austin. It's, <laughs> it's in Bee Cave. <laughs> it's in Bee Cave. It's at a Burger King in Bee Cave, Texas. Um, no, it's in Austin. Uh, <laughs> It's in San Francisco, California, home of Splunk and the San Francisco Giants and a cold summer. Uh, so get on down there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, it's coming up very soon. I got to book flights for that thing. Uh, so thanks for the reminder about when it is, uh, Jeff. You're the best. All right. I got a question. <laughs> I got a question. Let's let's uh, let's really? keep things. Yeah, man. I, this is a good one, man. This guy writes: How can I monitor forwards forwarders if it's not apparent in Splunk? How to do that? I mean, what if one goes down? How how do I know? How will I know? That is a good question. Uh, there's a number of ways. Uh, the the in a previous version of Splunk, anything I think it's three dot three and and below. We used to have a component called the forwarder heartbeat. And this is a good time to also discuss if you, if you have a large deployment and you have a, a variety of versions of, um, of Splunk forwarders and Splunk indexers, you can upgrade your indexer to something like 4.1 or something. And our, uh, you can take your time and systematically roll out the upgrades to the forwarders. So uh, that's a, a long way of saying a 3.x forwarder can easily continue to communicate with a with an indexer that's uh, that's been upgraded so if you have if you have um, three dot x forwarders there's a source type called the forwarder heartbeat abbreviated fwd hb and you can search for you know um, hours ago equals 24 you can find out how many um, forwarders have been sending their heartbeats um, in 3.4 and above we've changed that the heartbeat isn't there any longer but there's like like you guys were both discussing in the earlier um, answers, there's there's ways inside our internal index that you can go in and perform searches that will um, go and find the last time a forwarder has updated the index, and you can perform searches on it. It's it's all in the docs. You can you can look for uh, um, any of the heartbeats or any of the uh, forwarders and, and pull out the metrics from them out of uh, index equal underscore internal. Yeah. The internal index is pretty cool because it has all the Splunk's log files, which are, it's helpful to be able to look at, but the metrics log has these entries, as I said before about queues, 
But it'll also have these TCP underscore in connections if you're on the indexer. And then, of course, uh, TCP underscore out on the forwarder. And, you know, you can write some pretty easy Splunk searches that'll basically give you a dashboard of all the forwarders that are reporting in, which ones haven't reported in in a certain amount of time. So it's uh, it's pretty cool just being able to use Splunk to diagnose issues with Splunk. I think that's the best amount of eating your own dog food that could be. So it's yeah, it's 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 called having a recursive. We have a recursive relationship with ourselves, right? Basically, Splunk splunks itself, so it can splunk itself. Well, well yeah, that well, sounds re- dirty. Well, right. re- yeah, recursive. Actually, that's actually recursive relationships illegal in like thirty-eight of the fifty states or okay. something. My favorite segment, the reason is mine and very own and private, but it's what else is happening in Splunkland? Anything randomly technical, either with Splunk or just, you know, stuff you got going on. So um, one of my favorite things is regex. Why? It's a super nerdy thing that I like. It might be because my brain's pattern oriented, but um, the... I was going to say something else about your brain. Yeah. Go ahead. It's twist. It's, it's crazy. But, um, often I find that folks will write, uh, they'll find challenges writing regexes. They're not sure what to do. Sometimes they'll use dot star, which is pretty much any character, which is the worst thing you can do. But I had someone say, I need to pull out the third field in a comma delimited, uh, event. So instead of trying to figure out whether it's a digit or a word or whatever, what I like to use is a negative regex, or I call it a not regex, which is anything other than the character that I want to break on. So let's say it would be bracket, caret, comma, bracket, which says any character that is not a comma. Then I put a plus after that, and then I go to the next comma, and I do the same thing to the third time. That's really efficient regex. Um, maybe I'll put some examples up uh about this, but uh, check out the not regexes, and I got some good videos up on SplunkNinja.com. So, what do you, what do you got, Maverick? Anything happening in Splunkland for you? Um, yeah, not very much. I learned a couple things. I learned, um, I mean, for from a geeky perspective, they're interesting. From a non like non geeky perspective, they're kind of boring. But HPUX actually runs on eleven point two point three. But anyway, um, the other thing I learned. Um, uh, which I thought was a little more interesting was um, I got a request for from someone saying I want to be able to you know I want to run the real time searches and I want to run it in a browser and I want to just like leave the browser up all day and I just want it just running all day <laughs> and you know it's a web browser so it times out and and even the product times out so you know there actually is parameters I found out if you go to one of the compiles called web.conf, there's a um, there's a parameter called UI underscore inactivity underscore timeout that you can set or disable to uh so it'll actually won't time out and um it kind of goes against browser web browser theory i guess as far as running um but but you know in case you want to have it up in your knock or have it where uh, like a shared console or something which i guess in this case um uh they were asking about it and then and then it went on then it I went on to learn also that even within down deep in the product if you were to really want to do it right you, the the real recommendation um, is to set up a search head that is stripped down. You strip down the um, the actual interface to only show the one uh, real time report that you have. And then there's a um, there's another like a module or or whatever inside the more advanced um, uh, the more advanced display mechanisms within within Splunk. Uh, call it, one's called Polar underscore in inactivity underscore timeout. And that Polar one you can disable that or 
make it to where then, you know, the, the, the search runs pretty much indefinitely. And so I thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, it's not the ideal situation. I guess officially we probably don't recommend it, but I guess, you know, there is people that want to know how to, how to do that. And if they're willing to live with, you know, what goes along with that, um, that's how you would do it. I thought that was cool. Before we get to Jeff, one of the things why I really do like this segment, as I talked about, is the fact that we talk about the things that we actually learn. Now, some of these things that we talk about in the segment could be questions, but, um, you know, we're we're sort of just like you and we're users, too. And, you know, we, we like to talk about what we've learned as well. So what, what have you learned, Jeff? And other things that we talk about besides what we learned is other stuff that's going on in Splunkville. Mm hmm. So I'm going to do a shameless plug on behalf of John Mark Walker, who's our director of community, and uh, talk about my hosted uh, St. Louis user group, which is going to be the 15th of July in St. Louis, obviously, at uh, Mama's Sweet Treats and Bread's Cafe on uh, 8400 Natural Bridge Road. So all the people in Splunkland that are listening to this in the southern Illinois, uh, eastern Missouri region, uh, see you on the fifteenth. What do you guys do at a user group? How does that how does that go? What what what's happening there? Oh, that's actually a good question. We we we've had user groups in uh, Los Angeles, uh, Chicago. Uh, we've got this one starting up in St. Louis, and I and I also did one in uh, Columbus, uh, Ohio. We do a couple things. We uh, the first and most important thing is to is to develop the community of Splunk users in the area. We have a lot of customers in these regions, and we we just want to get people together and and knowing that there's uh, other users and be able to share share experience and and uh, and their and share their their uh, smarts. Uh, we we usually do a couple presentations uh, or demos. We we show some new features of Splunk. We we usually have uh, dinner and uh, drinks, and uh, the the big thing again is to foster a sense of Splunk community. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I should probably get off my butt and uh, host one down here in Austin. Do it in Austin. Yeah, yeah, because we got some. I got the toolkit for you. Let's you, do it. You got the toolkit. Can you IM me the toolkit? I can. Yeah. Everybody, thank you for listening to Splunk Talk. As always, send an email to splunktalk at splunk.com if you'd like to have questions answered on the air. Um, also, check out Splunk Answers, which is an answers.splunk.com. There's a lot of great questions out there as well. Uh, you don't get the live and vocal discussion, but uh, you sure do get answers pretty quick. Have a fabulous week, everybody. Everybody.